Welcome to The Money Hour with host Tina Mitchell and co-host Keelan Harvey. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, and Keelan Harvey, MLO 133075, are licensed loan originators with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, and MLS 7233. The views expressed by the speakers on the following program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. Now, in the studio, local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. That puts a smile on my face. Welcome to the Money Hour at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, December 14th show. I am your host, Tina Mitchell. And I am your co-host, Keelan Harvey. And we are your local mortgage experts bringing in expert advice and inside knowledge on today's events and how they affect your economy. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we're here to answer any questions or connect you with the amazing guests that we have on the show today. And the show is a really special show, isn't it, Keelan? I think so. Yeah. Should I give the lineup? Yes, please. Our, and that music just keeps on going. No, the Charlie Brown, going. I can't even focus. Yeah. It's getting me so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy. Well, it is a great show and it's a very special show as we're uh, not wrapping up the year. We do have one more show as we're heading into 2020, but the lineup for the show today, you're used to hearing that we've got three guests and three different topics. But today the show is all about one topic and it's Child Haven. And I think in spirit of the holidays and thinking about coming from a, a place of gift of contribution, I couldn't think of a better organization to uh, bring in. So we have John Botton and Megan Beers representing Child Haven today. Great information, great guests. You definitely will not want to miss any of the show. They'll be here for the entire show. And you can call one 855 or go online to com. You can get more information of how to contribute to Child Haven. And again, we'll learn more about them today. Uh, but we got to start the show as we do each week with a little bit of money chat. Money. Money. Well, Keelan, what do you got for uh, money chat today? Well, I was thinking, you know, we're wrapping up the year and um, it went by so quickly. It's unbelievable. And uh it's been such an amazing year. I mean, um, being newer on the team. You joined the team. Uh, what month? March 18. But like so this March was 18th of 2020. It's going to be 12 months. That's crazy. No, uh-huh. no, no. Well, no. It's going to be a year in full year. Just this last year is a full year. Oh, yeah. Got, got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we need to scratch that. <laughs> but, but, but what an amazing year it's been. And mm. um, you know, I want to talk a little bit about you today. Like you don't really mm. brag about yourself, but you impress me all the time. And I don't think that you'd even take the opportunity to even mention what a successful year you've had this year. Mm. And um, as usual, you made counsel again, which is a production through mortgage, uh, mortgage production. Oh, we'll see what the trip g- is. Yeah. You're going to mm go on a fancy trip. I wasn't far behind. You were way ahead of me, yeah. but like behind the... You the, almost the, made it. Almost but, made yeah. it. But... Um, You're a superstar with your numbers, Keelan, without a doubt. Oh, thank you very much. But it's... What is it? Like 25 years now you've done this? I don't, It'll like, be a quarter of a century next year, decade for the radio show. <laughs> Such <laughs> an amazing person. Um, so the couple things I want to talk about. First of all, the keynote speaker for Washington Realtors Leadership Conference is huge. Yeah. And you were recognized 
recognized as Partner of the Year with that organization. This mm-hmm. is a gigantic or- organization here that has a lot of influence with all our realtors. That just mm-hmm. And for them to pick you to be the Partner of the Year is such a huge thing. And to be the keynote specifically, I mean, that's a huge compliment to you. And then you just won another award, just the the Woman Warrior of the Year Award. Like yeah. that, that describes you to a T, I think, right mm-hmm. there. And also being the uh, Now Network of Women keynote speaker uh, for that organization as well. well thank I mean, you. huge kudos to you this year, Tina. I mean, I, you impressed me and. You know, I'm just going to follow your lead and wherever I land, shoot for well, the moon, land amongst the stars. I'll be a pretty happy dude. Thanks, Keelan. And, you know, I have to say it's just a it's a, a pleasure to have you part of the team. And it's so exciting to see all your growth in business. And I think it's an appropriate time to give a shout out for the team because it's not just you and I in the front doing mortgages. But uh, Victoria, which is here in studio, nobody gets to see her hardly ever on the studio for radio show. But she's out in the public for everything that I, you know, all I do of with the workshops and the keynotes. And she puts together our Power Hour Lunch and Learns and our Girls' Night Out. And uh, I've got my Live Your Dream Now retreat that's coming up uh, in January, which is an opportunity to really help women focus on personal growth so that they can live their dream now, which is my personal motto. It's about embracing every second of your day. And through that process, you'll have an extraordinary life. And so all of that Victoria does as our director of marketing, there's so much that's on her plate that allows us to be front and center and not to really think about all of those details. Uh, Mark, shout out, shout out to you, which is our loan coordinator. And he works through the pre-approval process, the closing process, along with uh, uh, Lisa on the processing side. So yeah, we've got a great support team. Um, and I, you know, since we're doing some thanks, and Keelan, thank you for that shout out. I, I really, <laughs> you weren't going to do it for yourself, so uh, I'm just I, so I, proud of I you this year. You, you killed it. And you guys show up everywhere I'm, I'm at, which is really great <laughs> for that support. So uh, so thank you. And thank you to our listeners um, here on 1150 AM KK. Oh my gosh, I'm just, um, it's bringing a tear to my eye because I feel so blessed. Aww. I feel really blessed to have, you know, such a great team, a great platform to really provide um, some great information for our listeners here on 1150 AM KKNW. Uh, Gary, definitely can't sh- uh, forget to give a shout out for Gary <laughs> and all that he does here for our show as our uh, producer and engineer, another behind the scenes. He gets on camera more than I think he knows because Victoria is always <laughs> pretty famous. Taking, he's pretty, pretty famous, famous these days. Yeah. Yeah, and he always has those great, uh, great looks as well. Well, I, you know, my, my, money chat today was just to give a, a give a shout out um, for our guests that are going to be coming up here uh, for the rest of the show coming in our second segment and I just really uh, as listening today I want you to think about the power of the gift of contribution because we all come from a place of contribution we all want to give back to our community we want to give back to our families yes you have to take care of yourself first because in order to be best for others you have to be your best self uh, family is important they have to come in and then, you know, community. And I, I think really as we're wrapping up 2019 and getting ready for 2020, whether it's financial contribution, if that's something that you can do, or if it's a time contribution to really time block, um, uh, you know, I teach a, my coaching program, One Time Your Business, which is all about time management. But get that on your calendar to where you're contributing back in your community. And the reality is, is you think that you're doing it to be a contribution to others, which you are. But the reality of what the gift that comes back to you 
is so much more. And so um, just a shout out to our listeners to really think about that. We've got a great organization uh, that we're showcasing today, which will have plenty of opportunity in our conversation to uh, get that into your plan for 2020. And that's your money chat. Coming up next, we have John Button and Megan Beers of Child Haven right here in 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host, Keelan Harvey, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome back to The Money Hour at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, December 14th show. I am your host, Tina Mitchell. And I'm your co-host, Keelan Harvey. You're a local mortgage expert. It is a great day to talk about money, and that's what the show is all about, how to make money, save money so you can have a better quality of life for you and your family. If you're listening to our show at a different time, you're listening to a rebroadcast. Uh, but we're here to answer any questions or connect you with the guests that we have on the show. You can call the show at one 855 or go online at themoneyhour.com. Again, that is one 855 or online at themoneyhour.com. In studio right now, we have John Button and Megan Beers of Child Haven. Very excited to have you guys here for our entire show and a very special show at that. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Yeah, and a little bit about John. Uh, born entrepreneur, John owned, operated, and sold two popular sub-sandwich restaurants before the age of 23. That's impressive. During the decade that followed, he exercised his creative and social service muscles as the owner of a video production and multimedia consulting company. John's company enabled dozens of nonprofits, schools, and churches to effectively communicate their impact and raise millions of dollars to expand their mission. In 1999, uh, Children's Therapy Center contacted John to produce a fundraising video. During the production, he became deeply connected to the organization's mission of helping children and families reach their full potential. Members of CTC's staff and board encouraged him to apply for their open CEO position. Much to his surprise, he got the job. And in the 17 years that John led CTC, the organization transformed from a small therapy clinic to a largest and most comprehensive pediatric therapy and early intervention program in Washington. In 2016, John joined Childhaven as an interim CEO and later was offered the position permanently. Since joining Childhaven, John has been compassionate and innovative leader, driving Childhavens to strictly expand and lead in pursuit of better services for more children and family. John was born, raised, and still lives in the shadow of Mount Saint, Mount Sai. Oh, beautiful Mount Sai. Mm-hmm. In North Bend, he is a proud father of four sons and happy grandpa of eight-month-old twins. And now let's move over and I'll talk a little bit about uh, Megan. Megan is passionate about building early child systems of care, as well as supporting the state's early childhood workforce and improving quality of care through reflective supervision and consultation. Megan is a licensed clinical psychologist. She completed a postdoctoral fellowship in early childhood mental health in Brown Medical School, has a rich background leading program design and implementation, as well as training staff in both early learning and mental health 
contacts. Megan came to Child Haven from Wellspring Family Services, where she was the Senior Director of Early Childhood Services and led the integration of infant early childhood mental health and trauma-informed care across Wellspring's program. Megan is the Director of Programs at Child Haven, and in the 10 months she's been with the organization, she has implemented new programs such as Flourish, with specializes in intensive wrap around care, as well as leading the efforts to bring relational health models to all Child Haven's programs. Megan is Washington native and lives in the Philly Ridge neighborhood with two school-age boys. You guys are such rock stars. Mm -hmm. I'm like in awe. That's why they're here. Yeah, and rock stars for such a fantastic organization, so we're so happy to have you guys here. We're going to start with you, John. Uh, Tell us a little bit about from your perspective, yourself, and kind of your position, and how this all turned into Child Haven. Yeah. Well, I I mean, as as Tina just um, eloquently read, I I have been passionate commitment to um, early learning, early intervention for my whole career. Um, Through most of the 90s, I had a video production company, and we specialized in production work for uh, local nonprofits that specialized in serving kids and families, and I was really exposed to a lot of different wonderful organizations that this community is lucky to have. Uh, but I did fall in love with the mission of Children's Therapy Center and was fortunate to work there for 17 years, and we were a strong partner of Child Haven uh, when I was at CTC. And so when the opportunity presented itself to come to Child Haven, it was a huge honor. It's a it's a 110-year-old organization, mm-hmm. a true uh, legacy organization in this community, and so it's it's a privilege to to be leading it right now. Oh, so awesome. And and Megan, what about you? A little bit more about yourself and what brought you to Child Haven and, and your passion around the organization? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm a therapist by training and have spent a lot of my career working in early childhood and with kid, kids and families who've experienced a lot of adversity. Um, but where my passion really lies is taking that kind of out into the community, mm. um, whether that's childcare, early learning, schools, um, pediatrics, wherever kids live, learn, and play. Um, and Child Haven is really leading that work in our yes. community. So I'm thrilled to be there right now and be a part of this big organizational shift that I think is going to have um, dramatic impacts on the health of little ones in yeah, our community. That is beautiful. So cool. Getting out there and sharing all that knowledge with the community. That's fantastic. Can you uh, share a little bit about Child Haven in 110 years, did you say, John? Mm-hmm, yeah. That's an old organization right yeah. there. Can you tell us a little bit about their history? Yeah, it's one of the oldest organizations in Washington State. Uh, it was founded in 1909 by uh, Reverend Mark Matthews, and it was actually originally called Seattle Day Nursery. And then um, in the mid-70s, it kind of reinvented itself. We call that that period Child Haven 2.0. Um, <laughs> it's where it really started to focus its work on kids and families who had experienced a wide range of trauma, abuse, and neglect. And the executive director then was named, uh, a gentleman named Pat Gogarty. And he was pretty uh, open in the community about uh, some of his personal experiences. And he recognized a need in the community at that point to really kind of focus the organization and on on young kids who had experienced a wide uh, range of adversity. Um, we're calling kind of the the new incarnation of Child Haven, Child Haven 3.0, because as you can imagine, the, the community needs have changed a lot mm-hmm. um, since the mid-70s. And uh, even though we live in one of the wealthiest communities in the nation, um, by every indicator of community uh, health, and, and particularly with young kids, uh, things are not improving. So um, we took a really hard look at kind of 
what are the needs in the communities and what gaps is Child Haven uniquely qualified to fill? And so we're kind of reinventing this 110-year-old organization right now, which is really exciting. Yeah, and I love that. Reinvention is so important, and especially when you look out to the community and see where the areas are not changing and making the impact that you really want to see. Um, What a great thing that Child Haven is bringing that on. And I know there's a lot of really exciting and new things that are coming up, initiatives for 2020. So why is it important for Child Haven to uh, pivot again? Yeah, well, I think, you know, just to build on what John's saying, um, the need's bigger than it's ever been. Yeah. Um, And I think also just to highlight that the science has changed a lot. So we've learned a lot and are learning more every day, and particularly about the brain science, about how we help young kids and families. And so um, Child Haven, because of its long history um, and and kind of position in the community, I think is really well situated to um, take the message out there and touch other other systems. Um, really, kind of be a leader in the voice around how do we how do we address this problem as a community that's impacting so many things that we all care about. Yeah, and I, I love that within the spirit of change, with the advance, advancement in science and really being able to see more that you couldn't see before and now readjusting to adapt to how to make the biggest impact that you can. Um, such a, a great thing. And I'm curious, like on our side of things, Seattle's taken off, right? I mean, I was born and raised here, so we saw this tech boom and then all of a sudden this expansion and then you have these six-figure jobs coming out right and left and it's affected everything in Seattle. So a lot of changes seem like they've happened very quickly. I'm curious how that's kind of your guys' perspective with Child Haven and some of the gaps that are needing to be filled now uh, with, and I don't even know, I'm assuming that's a factor uh, on that end of things as well. Yeah, it's interesting. When you look at the statistics, you would assume that everybody is benefiting from what you just described, and unfortunately, that's not the case. And yeah. so, for example, you know, just kind of going off the top of my head, like there's more kids who are not ready for kindergarten than ha- has ever been the case. There are wow. more kids who are homeless than has ever been the case. The the uh, health gap between children of color and white children is growing more than it ever has. Um, Teen suicide is at a 30-year high. And so kind of Mm -hmm. by the indicators that we look for for uh, communities improving, particularly its its, uh, most at-risk and vulnerable, we're actually not really doing all that well as Mm -hmm. a community. And we believe we've got to do better. I guess that was part of uh, what I'm, I'm alluding to as well is that we've left a lot of people behind in this thing. There's this huge affordable housing gap, and you know we've seen a homeless issue in Seattle that was almost borderline crisis. That's been a very, pretty heavy topic that's come out yeah. quite a bit. So um, I could see how there can be some issues involved with that. That's certainly the most visible one. Um, you know what's what's often not as visible is what's happened to our youngest kids. You know those kids that we kind of specialize as kids under the age of six and. You know, those kids who are experiencing mental health issues or their parents who are experiencing addiction or their own mental health issues. And it's uh, it's certainly not as visible as homelessness, but it often leads to homelessness. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the need in the community that Child Haven fills. Yeah, I think really um, what it comes down to is that there are a lot of kids and families um, in our community facing a lot of adversity. Um, And even though that's, you know, a lot of experts now are calling that the biggest public health crisis of our time, that's something that actually we don't talk a lot about um, Mm -hmm. as a community. So 
Um, I think the Child Haven fills a number of needs, certainly providing a lot of direct, direct care to kids and families. And then we also, I think, are filling a need of taking this taking this out there and elevating the conversation and really saying, you know, all the things that we care about as a community, whether that's mental health, whether that's, you know, school outcomes for kids, whether it's homelessness, um, all aspects of well-being are really connected to what we experience as little ones. And so how do we wrap around children and families? And Child Haven's really leading that work um, and partnering with others in that work in our community. Yeah. Having, I mean, London's going to be four in February, mm-hmm. and I was just thinking below six. It's so, like, love that girl with all my heart to see, to think about some adversities that some of these kids go through at that younger age. It's shocking to me. I'm upset if she goes to school without socks on, you know, <laughs> and some of these kids, and what and kids are resilient, and the things that they can kind of deal with, and, and some of these, I mean, it warms my heart what you guys do. What do you guys, um, what are adverse childhood experiences in your guys, or ACEs as you guys call it, mm-hmm. what are some of those that you guys experience? Yeah. So the the term ACEs comes from a study actually that happened, um, the first the first work on ACEs happened about 30 years ago actually, um, through a collaboration with the CDC and Kaiser Permanente. And what they were really um, looking at was essentially how, did this, how does this set of 10 things, 10 negative things that can happen to can happen to any of us as young kids, whether that's living in a household with a caregiver that's struggling with mental illness or um, living um, in a household where a caregiver is struggling with substance use, um, exposure to abuse and neglect, other things. How do those things impact well-being, really? Mm-hmm. Um, and when that research came out, I think what was there were a lot of things that were surprising about it. A couple that stood out was one was that ACEs are extraordinarily common. So even when this first study happened, they're looking at a relatively low-risk group of folks with employer-sponsored health insurance, right? Mm-hmm. By all indicators, you wouldn't necessarily expect a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm. And about two-thirds of that group had experienced at least one ACE. Wow. Um, and wow. so so really just the first piece is just this is everyone, right? We, I think yeah. we often think of trauma as something that's happening to other people mm-hmm. um, and recognizing that actually this is um, this is impacting all of our communities. And then yes. the other thing that was most surprising was I think um, – when this, st- this research first came out, there was an expectation that, of course, if you experience tough stuff when you're young, that would be connected to later mental health struggles. Mm-hmm. But what was maybe more surprising was all the other aspects of well-being that adversity is related to. So things like heart disease and cancer, yeah. um, all these other indicators of lifelong health and well-being really all come back to kind of um, what we've experienced in the first five years of life in particular. And that makes sense because all that trauma starts that stress in the body, which then causes all of these other things to stem from that. Exactly. Yeah. So on that note, we're going to go ahead and take a short break, but we're going to stay here for the entire show uh, with our representatives that are here from Child Haven. So coming up next, we have John Botton and Megan Beers uh, representing Child Haven right here at 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. Every 19 minutes, another baby is born addicted to drugs due to a dramatic increase in opioid use. Referrals to CPS are increasing, as are mental health issues in children. And teen suicide is now at a 30-year high. And for thousands of children and families, things are getting worse. Childhood trauma and adversity are a national epidemic that impact all of us financially and morally, directly and indirectly. They're the root cause of the most urgent and costly problems that plague our communities, proven to increase poor school performance, incarceration, diabetes, suicide, heart disease, stroke, and cancer. That's five of the top ten leading causes of death. Why aren't we doing more about it? 
Unfortunately, Childhaven is. Childhaven is a 110-year-old organization that's preventing childhood trauma and adversity and helping heal children and families when it does occur. How are we doing this? Through a wraparound continuum of care tied together by relational health, the best predictor of lifelong well-being. But Childhaven can't do it alone. We must infuse relational health everywhere children live, learn, and play. If you're ready to address the root causes instead of applying Band-Aid fixes, we invite you to join us on this crusade. Visit childhaven.org or call 206-957-4806. That's childhaven.org. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host, Keelan Harvey, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome back to The Money Hour on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, December 14th show. I was waiting for some little words there with our Christmas music. <laughs> Christmas music's throwing you off today. I love That's, it. I uh, love it. I am Tina Mitchell, your host. And I'm Keelan Harvey, your co-host. We're your local mortgage experts. We're here to help you build a strong financial blueprint one week and one show at a time. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we're here to connect you with the guests that we have on the show. You can call the show at... 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyr.com. In studio right now, we have two representatives from Child Haven, John Botton and Megan Beers. And we were just kind of talking about uh, childhood adversity and experiences that and what comes from that. So let's talk, um, extend that a little bit and talk about the impact of childhood trauma and adversity. Yeah. You know, you know, the, the, the piece that comes to mind first is just this recognition that I don't know that, that we talk about a lot, which is this idea that, um, I think sometimes we don't appreciate, um, the impact of our really earliest experiences. One of the experts in this work talks about the brain may not remember, but the body does. Um, and that's really what the science shows us, that um, the impact of adversity, particularly in the first five years of life, is um, is on it's an impact on how our brains are built and how our stress systems are built. And that's really why it has such long-reaching effects on health and well-being, yeah. um, because the way um, the way our, our brains are built from the ground up, based entirely on the experiences that we have, the back and forth between the biology and experience, particularly in the first three years. And so those experiences in those first three years, and particularly adverse experiences, have a disproportionate impact on our lifelong health um, in ways that we can we can change the trajectory in big ways yeah. in those years that are much harder to do later on. Well, that's why when you're going through uh, therapy and counseling, it's always going back to your childhood to, to deal with the traumas that you've gone through so that you can really embrace those in the fullest, take the lessons from it, and then be able to push out the bad stuff uh, that came from that, right? Absolutely. And that's why really, you know, at Child Haven, our, um, really our, we, we exist to really um, drive change in those early childhood years and particularly impact um, the grown-ups that, uh, that support all of our, our youngest children um, and so that we can set, set the stage and build, basically build healthy brains and bodies from the get-go yes. um, through the relationships that young yeah. kids have with the important and grown-ups in their lives. It's shocking to me how it manifests into their health, specifically, like mm. at that young age, how that mental, whatever that might be, comes out in actual physical health at some point. That's that's 
crazy. I don't know. And I think bottling it up and not knowing, not having the support if you don't, like an organization like Childhood and not having a, a way to address and deal and have that support, then it's just bottling up and sticking there. And eventually it's going to come out in some fashion. Exactly. Correct? Exactly. And, yeah. you, know, you know, I think the brain the sort of mind-body um, disconnect that we have kind of in our, the way we think about it is really that the, the body doesn't make a distinction, right, in the same mm. way that we do. And so um, basically what it comes down to is our stress systems are designed to kind of manage little bursts of stress kind of going up yeah. and down. And when um, kids are living in stressful environments day in and day out, their brains are developing kind of in a soup of stress hormones and that yeah. just impacts how the systems are set up that um, that are is very hard to shift later yeah. down the road. No pressure. Jeez Louise. I'm just <laughs> well, that's, why, that's why we have child care because know. so they can help them through I'm that process. London, I'm like, I have to be very careful. She can get <laughs> yes, sick. You, and, yes, you, you do. Know, she's, she's pretty blessed. <laughs> um, so obviously this, you know, impacts society um, and there's other implications of this to society as a whole, childhood trauma and adversity. What is your guys' thoughts and perspective on that? Yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the studies are clear. The research is clear that the financial impact, and I know all your listeners are you know, here to learn about money and, and the community, and the financial impact of um, adverse childhood experiences, according to the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, is $585 billion per year. And so the question really isn't, are we going to pay? We're already paying. Yeah. So the you know, child, ch- child Haven's value proposition is you can invest now in the root causes and maybe prevent those downstream problems, or you can pay a lot more later uh, in, you know, in terms of fixing the problems that weren't addressed in the beginning. So let's talk about the uh, what the evidence um, say and the best way to prevent and address childhood trauma and adversity. Yeah, so the the evidence um, is pretty, you know, we actually have decades of, of evidence mm-hmm. kind of of how best to buffer the impacts of adversity. And it really comes down to something, uh, I would say, um, simple to understand and actually pretty challenging to implement, mm-hmm. um, which is that it's about the relationships that young kids are surrounded by. So the mm-hmm. single, the best buffer for little brains experiencing adversity is the presence of as many safe, stable, and nurturing relationships um, as we can muster. Um, and the more relationships that are around to buffer adversity that kids are going through, the better their outcomes are. Yeah. Um, and whether that could be a relationship with a parent or other home-based provider, but it can also be a relationship with a teacher or a mentor or a grandma. Um, so really um, any adult that can kind of help help navigate through the yeah. adversity that kids are experiencing. And that's really what Child Haven's all about is how do we create systems both naturally within our communities, but also within the other places that kids spend a lot of time. How do we how do we support the relational health as we talk about it mm. um, of the of the young kids and families in our community? One of the luminaries in our field is a gentleman by the name of Dr. Bruce Perry. And he has this great quote that I love. It says, relationships are the agents of change. And the most powerful therapy is human love. And it's, uh, yeah. it's like we can throw a lot of a lot of services at kids and families, but if they don't have those those strong bonds, those relationships, it may not have the impact. And so we're really focusing all of our work. We we have a lot of amazing services and a lot of incredible service providers, but the connecting tissue of all of it is forming strong relationships with the kids that um, the big people and the little people's lives. Yeah, and you know, when I've, I went and had a, a tour of Child Haven, uh, thank you very much for that opportunity. And um, 
saw all the different classrooms and it was just amazing in the different uh, groups and age brackets that you have and the different things in each of the classrooms. But the one that touched me uh, the most was the babies. And because we all have heard the studies about the importance of touch and holding. And if you're in a a family, I know um, you talk about supporting the uh, caregivers and parents, because a lot of these are being um, raised by caregivers or in the mm-hmm. foster system. And, you know, in a stressful environment where there's trauma, a lot of times that that holding or even if there is holding, it's coming from a stressful place. And so mm-hmm. that's coming onto the children. And so just seeing uh, what you're doing, uh, especially for the babies, uh, there was a real beautiful thing. So thank you for that uh, for that opportunity. And I, I, it's fantastic. It comes down to love. That's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing in relationships, which it makes a lot of sense to me. How do we do that? How can we as people help our community and get out there and show this love and build on these relationships that make such a great impact for our youth? Yeah, that's a great question. The The way we've been um, talking about it at Child Haven um, is about using an all-in approach, um, which is borrowed from a, a great researcher in this field, um, David Willis. And the idea is really that actually there's there's a lot of places where kids interact, right? Kids kids don't spend blessedly, you know, I'm a therapist by training, mm-hmm. so I can I can say negative things about therapists. Things <laughs> the kids don't spend most of their time with therapists, right? So what we have to do to build kids' health and well being is actually um, be all in, right? And yeah. and as a community, build an understanding of adversity and how it shows up for mm-hmm. kids, and then also how do we build relationships with kids who are struggling? Um, and so the what that means for us, I think the other piece of what the research shows is is that we have to take this information to the places where kids are, right? Yeah. We're never going to solve this problem in therapy sessions and 50-minute therapy sessions. We need that. That's an incredibly important service. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, you know, to take an example, you know, Child Haven is doing really important work um, with the kids with the most intense needs in, in, in early learning environments. So we've got classrooms on site where we have small ratios and a mm-hmm. lot of embedded supports. Um, Tina, like you described, seeing yeah. in the classrooms. Um, and that's a critical service. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we know that there are children who've experienced adversity um, in almost every classroom um, in our city and mm-hmm. our county and our yeah. state. And so how do we both maintain that really important intensive service, but also, for example, you know, provide an understanding, support all of our child care providers in understanding how 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 does how do we support a kid when we know they're going through something hard at yeah. home and that's going to show up in the classroom? You know, what do we do with the baby who we know has recently gone through a transition in caregivers? Mm. Because Child Haven can't interest, intersect with all those kids directly, yes. but we can support other community providers to do that. Yeah, and we've uh, we've talked about who you serve, and I, I believe it's critically important when you have a mission to have a very, not a target market, but a perfect market. What is the perfect market that you are targeting that you can best serve and uh, that you serve zero to six? And so talk a, a little bit about that and why that is your uh, perfect market. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I, the my first my first answer is as a sort of researcher and therapist by training is that that's that's where we have the greatest impact. Yes. Um, that we just we know again and again that um, that there's a there's a disconnect between the science and where our investments are as mm-hmm. a society. Right? We know we have the greatest impact when we interve- intervene in the first three years of life, and most of our mental health investments are much later on. Um, yeah. And so I think Child Haven's uniquely poised um, to really serve that market. Um, Anything you would add, John? No, I, I'm going to set you up with another question, actually. Okay. Though, yeah, 
Um, I think part of our work is recognizing that there's only so much good we can do for the kids and families we serve if, if we're not adequately supporting the helpers. So how do we yeah. help the helpers with, there's a term that's used in our field is kind of how do we take a trauma-informed approach to the work we do and then kind of spread that throughout. So I, it, it, Megan, could you talk a little about <laughs> how we help the helpers and your philosophy around that? Yeah, I think it's a really under under recognized piece, which is that we have we have a lot of folks in our community doing this important work with all kids kids and families of all kinds, and and we don't support that workforce actually very well um, as a community, and so um, helping helping the helpers and and taking an approach to recognizing actually that many of us who do this work in the same way that trauma is very common throughout our community, many of us who do this work have experienced adversity ourselves, um, mm-hmm. which is a great value mm-hmm. makes makes us. Um, in compassionate in the work, yes. but it can also be a really challenging piece. So how do we kind of build a system of support so that people can sustain in the work and and have the greatest impact on kids and families? Yeah, and I'm, I love that in your, your new focus, really putting a lot of extra attention on the caregivers of the children. And it's not just about supporting the children, but it's providing the resources and the support that the caregivers and the parents need. Absolutely. You know, yeah. I think it's in, and I think one thing that's a that's a truth that I experience every day in this work, which is that it's a lot easier to have compassion, honestly, for a very young child mm-hmm. who's experiencing adversity and showing up and having a lot of big behaviors and big emotions and really yeah. struggling. It's harder, honestly, for all of us to have yeah. the same compassion for an adult who has had those experiences as a child and is now showing up as an adult, as a yes. grown up with a lot of big behaviors and big emotions. And that's really the core of the trauma informed approach is instead of what's wrong with you? Like, why yes. are you behaving that way? What happened? And how can I understand what you've experienced and connect with you um, understanding that? Yeah. I got a curveball for you. So why don't we hear about this more? Like... That, that is a great question. Like, I love that question. Yeah, like why it seems like it's under the surface, right? And, you know, why is why is it like that? Yeah, that's the kind of the million-dollar question. I, and often when I'm in spaces talking about this work, everybody's expectation is that it's new research. And when they hear that, oh, no, the ACEs study first came out 30 years ago, wow. it's pretty shocking. Um you know, I, I, I can muse on some of my thoughts and John can share his too. I, I think that it's really hard for us to talk about, honestly, um, yeah. in the same way. It's different than seatbelts or talking about good nutrition or other things. I think that um, the recognition, just that this is so common, this kind of you know traumatic experience and adversity is so common in all communities, across all racial groups, across all income levels, um, I think is hard for us to reckon with um, and hard for us to talk about. Um, and that's... Um, I think a, a unique role that Child Haven can play to really kind of raise this, you know, wave this flag and say, no, this is all of us. And we only solve it by a community as a community. Yeah. I, there's a quote. I love quoting other people because it makes me sound smart. But there's <laughs> uh, Dr. Robert Block. He's a former president of the American Academy of Pediatrics. He says adverse childhood experiences are the single greatest unaddressed public health threat facing our nation today. Yeah. Yet nobody even realizes it. Mm-hmm. To me, it feels like an accountability thing. Like nobody, like it, it takes a lot of courage to stand up and establish that an innocent child is struggling. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, good on you guys for everything that you do. It couldn't be a better a better cause. Period to help yeah. you know our our babies literally at yeah. their core. So which good on the, you guys for that. Which is the the future. Yeah. So uh, coming up next, we're going to be here for the remaining of the show with our representatives from Child Haven, John Botton and Megan Beers, right here on 1130 AM KKNW after this short break.
Every 19 minutes, another baby is born addicted to drugs due to a dramatic increase in opioid use. Referrals to CPS are increasing, as are mental health issues in children. And teen suicide is now at a 30-year high. And for thousands of children and families, things are getting worse. Childhood trauma and adversity are a national epidemic that impact all of us financially and morally, directly and indirectly. They're the root cause of the most urgent and costly problems that plague our communities, proven to increase poor school performance, incarceration, diabetes, suicide, heart disease, stroke, and cancer. That's five of the top 10 leading causes of death. Why aren't we doing more about it? Fortunately, Child Haven is. Child Haven is a 110-year-old organization that's preventing childhood trauma and adversity and helping heal children and families when it does occur. How are we doing this? Through a wraparound continuum of care tied together by relational health, the best predictor of lifelong well-being. But Child Haven can't do it alone. We must infuse relational health everywhere children live, learn, and play. If you're ready to address the root causes instead of applying Band-Aid fixes, we invite you to join us on this crusade. Visit childhaven.org or call 206-957-4806. That's childhaven.org. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host, Keelan Harvey, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. <laughs> Welcome back to The Money Hour at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, December 14th show. I am your host, Tina Mitchell. And I am your co-host, Keelan Harvey. We are your local Christmas mortgage experts. We bring in studio each week the best of the best experts in our local market on everything money. We're here to help you in today's economy. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. We're here to connect you with the guests that we have on the show today. You can call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyr.com. And in studio, back in studio for the entire show, we have our representatives from Child Haven, John Botton and Megan Beers. So I'd like to kind of go in and talk a little bit uh, about um, how you put relational health concept into practice. Yeah, sure. Um, so relational health is a pretty, it's a pretty simple concept. I think putting it into practice can be a little bit trickier, but basically we're, we're really just talking about um, how 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 all the grown-ups around our little ones engage um, and are able to support kids, particularly in times of stress. I think where it becomes a little more complicated is is that what we know and what the data shows us is that how each of us is able to do that as adults is really dependent on what we've experienced as kids ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of the the struggles that we we're talking about around trauma and adversity are often intergenerational struggles, um, and so often caregivers need quite a bit of support um, to navigate through tough times and building relationships with their children through tough times. Um, and so we, we put that into practice in a lot of different ways. Um, but I think uh, to come back to kind of the all-in concept, one is just um, one is equipping providers with an understanding of, of what to look for and when. So um, pediatricians, always one of my favorite examples. So mm-hmm. we've, um, you know, pediatricians are, are kind of a first point of contact for for young, for families yes. with very young kids, you know, you're there when the baby's a week old and two weeks old and six weeks old. Can't hide it from the doctor. Can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and yet we don't actually provide a lot of support to those. Provi- we we mm. kind of as a system don't provide a lot of support to those 
providers for what to look for um, and how to kind of identify when a parent may be struggling um, with connection with their young baby and how to support that um, in really simple ways. And so really, as we're growing um, as an organization, that those are the kinds of things we're looking to is how do we both provide direct supports where we're meeting weekly or monthly with um, parents and their young children to support this relationship using evidence-based models, you know, models yeah. that we know work from the science, but also how do we support those other providers that, that are already interacting with kids and families to pick up on when there are concerns and then do really simple things to, um, to build those relationships and to help parents understand the impact they're having, particularly in those early months and years. Yeah. I hope it's an appropriate question, but we're talking about like these adverse, we're talking about ACEs. Mm-hmm. Can you, what are a couple ACEs you could kind of throw out at us here? Things that, I mean, it always makes me wonder if two thirds of kids around you, who around mm-hmm. you is having some of these issues, some adverse and kind of what can we do about it? I asked you like five questions there. That's we'll, start, <laughs> we'll start with ACEs and yeah. kind of some adverse, um, you know, some adverse childhood experiences. Yeah. So the original, when the original study came out that there were 10 ACEs that they uh-huh. looked at and they were pretty individual family focused. So things that you might, I think, typically think of when you think of trauma, like the exposure to a emotional or physical abuse or neglect, Mm -hmm. um, living in a home that's very stressful for a variety of reasons. Um, I think one of the things um, that the folks may not think of, um, which kind of subsequent research has actually talked about as adverse childhood environments, um, would be all the other things that kind of exist outside of a family's home um, that can create the kind of adversity that many of the kids in our community are being exposed to. So things like um, poverty, living in extreme mm-hmm. poverty, um, living in a situation where you're exposed to discrimination on a day-to-day basis because of institutional racism, um, other community exposure to community violence. So things that happen both in neighborhoods as well as things that happen in homes. And I think one of the things um, that's a misnomer is often when people think of childhood trauma and adversity, they think of one big bad thing mm-hmm. happening to kids. And in reality, what's actually much more disruptive, um, we obviously don't want one big bad thing to happen to kids either. Yeah. But what's most disruptive for brain development and well-being is chronic stress. Um, all of those little consistent things. All those things. consistent things. Yes. Because that's what creates that what I call the soup of stress hormones in the body mm-hmm. that has the biggest impact on well-being. Yeah, I always talk in business um, in my coaching program. It's about the small decisions that you make every single day that's going to have a ripple effect. It's not that one big Absolutely. thing. It's all the small things that lead up to that big thing. And it's interesting to hear you uh, say it's not always necessarily within the family and what's happening underneath the roof of that house, but it also can be externally what's happening outside of the home because of the poverty um, situation that they're in. So yeah, that's that's interesting. So the the reason I wanted to, uh, Keelan wanted to, uh, for us to bring you into the show is to really showcase Child Haven uh, being the longest around <laughs> 110 years is just um, is just amazing. And really to pr- provide a place for our listeners to have an easy way to contribute and to give back and something that we represented on the show. So what is the best way that our listeners can get involved with Child Haven, John? Well, certainly going to our website, we try and keep our website updated with, um, you know, opportunities for people to plug in in a variety of ways, and that's simply childhaven.org. And uh, you could email uh, Megan or myself directly, and my email is john, J-O-N-B, at childhaven.org, and we would love to meet with anybody and everybody 
Um, one of the things that we've really been focusing on lately is partnerships. We recognize mm-hmm. that we can't um, kind of have the community level impact that we want alone, no matter how big we get. And so we have to form strong partnerships um, with government entities, with other providers, mm-hmm. with the healthcare system. And so we're spending a, a good percentage of our time out meeting with others and say, how can we partner with you in order to kind of um, you know, launch this movement about average childhood experiences and relational health being the antidote to the greatest health threat impacting our society. What do you, uh, what do you got, what would you do, I should say, if you're on the outside looking in and you can see some adverse situation happening with a child, what would you say you could take action to help somebody directly or maybe indirectly? Hmm. That's a really good question. <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm drilling you today. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was thinking about that, you know, um, that two-thirds thing really stuck in my brain. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big daunting number. And actually to come back to, I, I will answer your question, but to come back to your other question about why we're not talking about it, um, why more people don't know about it, I do wonder if, there's, if it's daunting, right? It's like it, it's a big problem to solve, mm-hmm. um, and I think that it's, it's overwhelming, um, even though we do have good solutions out there. Um, you know, the the first thing that comes to mind is actually not a it it it, it is science based. It is it is a science based answer, but it's not going to sound like a very science based answer. <laughs> um, which is, I think that part of I mean, part of the sort of individual action in the solution is um, engaging with with folks when we think mm-hmm. that there's things like that going on. And I think there's so much stigma and so much hiding right around mm-hmm. when when uh, around struggle mm-hmm. um, and particularly around struggle within families and in parenting. And I think that approaching approaching with curiosity and a desire to help and a desire mm-hmm. to connect as opposed to a judgment or a shame of around the struggle, um, I really think is the first piece, just a question of, gosh, like it seems seem like this you know you're having a hard time how can yeah. i how can i help and and leaning in instead of leaning out because i think societally we lean out um, when there's when families are struggling yeah and and what a great place for uh caregivers and parents that are in these challenging situations to be able to have a safe place a great place for their kids to go have two strong meals right and so they're there from what time to what time yeah, but it's about a six-hour school day. So yeah. yeah, and because at that age, from zero to six, they're well at, until they get in kindergarten, they're not in school, and so mm-hmm. they don't have a place to really be able to to release and do the things that they need to do. Because I think a lot of the stress can come from that as well. Is when you have any tragedy or or uh, challenges, adversities that are happening in the home not being able to have some time away from the kids to where you can take care of the things that you need to take care of. Um, you know, child, the child haven provides that and then everything that is offered to the children while they're there um, is, is really great. Absolutely. And I think one of the most exciting developments in the last year at Child Haven is that those for the, the children that are in the program for uh-huh. the, that six hours a day and are getting that great classroom support, um, sort of parallel to that, um, each of the caregivers are paired up with what we call a wraparound team. So uh-huh. a team of Child Haven staff that are supporting them in their goals, whether that's moving forward with em- empl- uh, employment goal or housing yeah. or school. Um, so those things are happening. We're building the child's capacity as well as the parent's capacity at the same time. And, and what we know from the science is that that's really the best way to help kids over the long run is supporting parents and kids at the same time. Yeah, another thing that was interesting when I went in on my tour was um, really having a 
environment for them that it's theirs. I mean, they have the same place that they're putting their stuff. They have the same teachers. They've got the same activities that they go through. So if they don't have a stable home environment, at least for these six hours that they're at Child Haven, they have a stable place that is their place, right? Mm -hmm. For sure, yeah. And I think that's important, that consistency. Yeah, I'd love to go back to... um, uh, not an exciting comment that was made, but was surprising and that we're at the highest level of teen suicide for 30 years. Why, what do you think is changing in our community um, that is causing that? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of, um, th- there's a lot of wondering, I think right now, uh, amongst kind of folks in the field about outcomes like that getting mm-hmm. worse and and the the word that comes to mind is disconnection, um, yeah. and how kind of uh, you know this is um, man, many people that speak about this much more eloquently than I do, but just this idea that sort of um, in a variety of ways, right, um, c- we're moving kind of collectively away from community and connection yeah. and and um, mutual support and more um, um, more towards isolation. Um, and I think that ultimately, you know. S- like a, a statistic like the rise in teen suicide is mm-hmm. is um, many are supposing that it's arising kind of from some of those broader cultural shifts it makes sense. and that being paralleled with kind of a pulling back on the safety net. We have fewer services kind of as a community. We're not we're not supporting kind of mental mental social emotional and behavioral health in the same ways that we often that we have previously. So I think those two together are a pretty dangerous combination. Yes. You make me think of the, I mean, virtually, right? The social media and all that. Mm -hmm. You can disconnect and feel connected when you're connected to a world that's not even real. Like we all, as great as it looks on Facebook, we're all having challenges in life. It's not what everybody appears. We're not eating steak dinners, you know, every night and all that. And it makes me wonder, you know. I enjoy the social part of my life and growing up, and that's how we were forced to communicate, and it's sad to see that go away. So I don't know if that plays a a part in it, but I sure see it. Absolutely. Yeah, I I wonder about that, too. And I think, um, you know, know, really the relational health concept, we talk about it most at Child Haven with very young ones, um, but it applies throughout the lifespan, right? Like we all need, we all thrive with a sense of belonging and connection. Um, and I do wonder about things like social media and other other sort of broader, broad brush societal shifts that are mm-hmm. pulling us away from that. And I think a lot as a mental health professional about how do we kind of collectively turn the tide yeah. um, on that. Because um, again, it's another problem that's not gonna be solved with therapists, it's gonna be solved collectively in our community. Yes. So as we're uh, wrapping up our time here, I would love for you to share one thing that you'd like to leave with our audience. Megan, let's start with you. I guess, because uh, uh, I, I always have a hard time with one thing, I'll do two parts of one thing. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> we'll give you two parts. <laughs> one is just that I, I hope that folks um, fo- hope folks will continue the conversation. I think that's, that's a really natural yeah. next step is just talk about this. You know, Google ACEs, check out some of the TED Talks, um, and then mm-hmm. also kind of um, hold hold relationships as the core. This is a big, scary problem, um, yeah. and it's impacting lots of big things, um, but we really do have the research. We do know how to make change um, yeah. if we invest in it as a community. Yeah, well said. John, one or two things. <laughs> I think I'll go a, another direction slightly and kind of double down on what I said earlier is, 
is um, the community does not invest in this work nearly to the degree it does, but we're willing to pay for it on the back end. And mm-hmm. so 50% of our budget comes from the generosity of uh, the people who invest in our mission and the kids and families we serve. We've got really ambitious growth needs because the community needs us to grow. And so we're certainly going to be doing a lot of outreach and asking the community to invest greater in this work, either through us or others who are partnering with us. And and again, um, you can pay now or we can pay a lot more down the road and hopefully people will recognize the wisdom of investing now. Yeah, thank you so much for for both of you for coming in um, and for everything that you do for for our young children and helping them to really be able to uh, have a successful life because I do believe that when you're dealing with adversity, that adversity can actually have a real positive spin in the person that you are and the difference that you can make in the world because of that adversity you went through. But you have to have the support and the tools uh, which Child Haven provides at such a crucial uh, time for the children. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having yeah. us. Okay. And if you want more information on Child Haven, you can call the show at one 855 Again, that's one 855 or or go online at themoneyr.com. And this is your host, Tina Mitchell. And your co-host, Keelan Harvey. Signing off for the day, but we'll be back next Saturday right here at 1150 AM KKNW. And enjoy the rest of your weekend. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, and Keelan Harvey, MLO 1330075, are licensed loan originators with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, and MLS 7233. The views expressed by the speakers on the preceding program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC.